I'm Mandy Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And I am so honored to be here today with Bill Clark. He's the Washington Realtors Director of Public Policy. That's right. It's nice to be here with you. The first time I've ever done a video with Annie Fitzsimmons. It's about time. It is about time. And it's very timely because uh, the Washington legislature passed some significant housing supply bills that took effect in July of 2023. That's right. This year was called the Year of Housing, and they passed about 12 different housing supply bills. We're going to talk about, I think, the top two bills today. And they're generally referred to as middle housing? Middle housing and the accessory dwelling unit or ADU bill. Those are the two bills we'll talk about. Okay. So broad overview, what do these two bills do? The first thing to realize is that for the first time, the state legislature stepped in and really instructed cities on the kinds of housing they have to allow. In Washington state, land use and housing regulation has been dealt with at the local level. This year, the legislature stepped in and directed cities to allow certain types of housing. They have to allow certain types of middle housing and certain types of accessory dwelling units or ADUs. Middle housing are units of housing that are duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, up to sixplexes. Those can be condominiums, they can be townhouses, it can be cottage housing. Accessory dwelling units can be attached to the primary dwelling unit or they can be detached or a combination of both. Those are the two kind of major housing bills this year. Let's talk about middle housing okay. for a minute. You just gave a really general description of what middle housing is. Mm -hmm. What is this going to mean to a property owner now that this law has taken effect? What it means is that in areas that previously were only zoned for single-family detached housing, certain cities based on their population so, size. I'm sorry, just one second. Yep. Single-family detached, detached housing. That's just another way of saying a single-family residence, right? Single-family residence, yeah. Okay. If you're in that type of zoning in certain cities, in certain areas, now those properties have to allow either a duplex or a fourplex or up to a sixplex, depending on the size of the city. Um, one of the housing supply issues that Washington State has had, and it has one of the worst records on new housing supply, is about 75% of residential areas only allow single-family housing. Under this bill, in certain cities, now duplexes up to sixplexes will be allowed. So what distinguishes where duplexes versus sixplexes are going to be allowed? Right. It's done generally by the population of the city. So there are kind of three tiers within the middle housing bill. Cities above a, a population of 75,000 have to allow fourplexes everywhere within the city where residential housing is allowed. In areas that are within a half mile of major transit, they have to allow up to six plexes. And then throughout the city, if the owner of the property wants to have two additional units on a fourplex and they agree to keep those units affordable for 50 years, meaning affordable to someone with an average median income at 80% or less of the county average median income, they can have two additional units. So that's for cities above 75,000. For cities in between 25,000 and 75,000, they have to allow uh, duplexes. They can get a second unit or an additional unit on that duplex up to a triplex if it's affordable. And then for cities that are under 25,000, if their urban growth area is connected to the largest city in that county, in our state's largest counties, counties over 275,000, duplexes have to be allowed. So it's a tiered approach with the biggest cities having the most housing smaller cities having some amount of additional housing. Sorry, 
Mm-hmm. That's super confusing. Um, what what you have a graphic right that have, shows? Yes, we have a graphic, and it will put up the graphic, and it'll show which cities and which counties are a part of the middle housing bill. And again, it's by tier. So you think about your cities, and if you're over seventy five thousand, the fourplex to sixplex provisions apply. If you're twenty five thousand to seventy five thousand, you're in that middle tier. And if a city is under twenty five thousand within a GMA county, that lower duplex tier applies. Okay. When you talk about a single family lot Mm -hmm. having the capacity, the potential capacity for six units, Mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, let's make it really clear, just because a property owner could build six units under the right circumstances, certainly doesn't mean everybody with a single family residential lot is going to have to build six units, right? No, and under the bill, if a person wants, if you have a vacant lot and it's in an area right now, that's single family zoning and it gets upzoned under the middle housing bill to allow six plexes. If you're the owner, you can still build a single family detached house if you want to. It's still the property owner's choice. The issue now is cities have to at least allow that if that's what the property owner wants to build. So to your question, the bill has opportunities for people that currently, if they only have one unit, they could have up to six units now or in smaller cities up to four units. Okay. So when you talk about going up to potentially six units, you're mm-hmm. talking about the four plus two, mm-hmm. or in the mid mid tier, mm-hmm. you're talking about going from two potentially to four, mm-hmm. and in both cases, that that extra grab of those two extra units mm-hmm. you had said originally is tied to either being within a quarter mile of a major transit mm-hmm. stop, or dedicated to fair to a affordable housing. Correct. So let's focus for a minute on quarter mile of a transit, major transit mm-hmm. stop. As I've taught this class mm-hmm. or taught this law around the state, I have said in, in classes, there's almost no properties that are going to be within a quarter mile of a major transit stop. Mm-hmm. And you told me the other day, that's not necessarily true. Can you feel Yeah. So the, the major transit definition includes lots of types of transit things like bus rapid transit, light rail, the sounder uh, rail system within central Puget Sound. So there are a lot of properties within that distance that now can go up to a sixplex. And again, the sixplex applies within a half mile of transit. The other six... Half mile or quarter mile? Half mile. Oh, half mile. Yeah. Okay. Um, And the other kind of increase goes from four units to six units if two extra units are kept affordable under requirements in the bill for affordable housing. Okay, wait a second. Let's and that's and that's anywhere, not to interrupt, that's anywhere regardless of your proximity to mass transit. So sticking with mass transit for a minute, mm-hmm. you, you named a few options. It could be light rail. It could be commuter. What, what did you say? Uh, bus rapid transit. Bus rapid transit. Right. It's not just... Uh, I live on Main Street, and there's a bus stop out in front of my house. No, the the average bus line, average bus stop, is not within the within the uh, transit definition. Okay, so it's going to require some kind of a way I've described it as additional infrastructure. So maybe like a park and ride associated yes. with that bus stop, or mm-hmm. some kind of a terminal facility for the buses themselves, or something like. Yeah, that. the the term in the law is major transit stop, and then that has a definition of about six types of transit that qualify as a major transit stop. And it's things like park and ride, bus rapid transit, light rail, heavy rail, things like that. Not your average small city bus stop. Okay. 
And then you, the other was uh, you could either be within the half mile of major transit or you could dedicate the two units to affordable housing for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that actually requires the recording of a, a, a CCNR, if you mm-hmm. will, right? A covenant over. Right. And, and how is affordable housing defined? It's defined based on keeping those units rented uh, to at a level, at a level of rent that's affordable to so someone making 80% of the average median income within the county. Okay. So that number would actually grow over time. It, it would. would be yep. a changing number. Right. But so the CCNR would be tied to that exact language that you use. Correct. Which would allow that number to grow. Do we need to go in any more, more into the explanation of the duplex with it, within the 25000 or lower? Uh, the only thing there to be aware of is it requires that city's urban growth area to be connected to the urban growth area of the largest city within the county. And that only applies in the state's largest county, so counties that are over 275,000. So an example would be uh, Clark County. Clark County the lar- is over 275,000. The largest city is Vancouver. Vancouver's urban growth area is connected to Camas. Washougal is connected to Camas. Washougal is under 25,000, but its urban growth area is connected to Camas. Camas is connected to Washougal. So therefore, within Washougal, the bill applies. Okay, good. Same with, you know, a Pierce County example would be Sumner's connected to Puyallup. Puyallup's connected to Tacoma. So Sumner's within the bill. Um, The other key part about this is when these provisions are actually in effect, the law is in effect, but the adoption of these regulations are tied to when local governments adopt their growth management at comprehensive plan. Okay, so so everything we've talked about so far in this episode is is going to be completely inapplicable, not apply at all to the counties that are not subject to the Growth Management Act. Then, Correct. Right? Growth it only applies to Growth Management Act counties. That's right. Okay. And it only applies within the urban growth areas as well. The question that comes up a lot is does it apply to rural areas? No, it doesn't. It only applies within cities, within the incorporated areas, within urban growth areas of GMA counties. Okay. Uh, how does somebody figure out where the urban growth area is for the properties that they might be wanting to show? Yeah. I mean, the easiest way is to look at your county's website, and every county has a map of their urban growth area. And it's pretty easy to determine based on county mapping where the urban growth area is located. That's usually the easiest way. Do those ever change? Uh, they change and they will change when counties modify their growth management at comprehensive plans, and there's a schedule to do that. And so the schedule for, for example, Central Puget Sound counties is by the end of 2024, King County, Pierce County, Snohomish County, and Kitsap County, and the cities within those counties have to update their growth management at comprehensive plan. That's when the urban growth area could be modified. It may or may not be modified, but that's when it would be modified. Six months after that date is when those cities have to implement the middle housing requirements. Okay, let's let's come back to the timing in a minute. Yep. I want to finish talking about which properties are going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it's only in the areas that where the growth management applies. Growth management act is mm-hmm. applicable, and even then, only within the urban growth area. Mm-hmm. And you just said that can change. Does that mean that it can change in some areas that are covered by the urban growth area today may not be in the repl- in the next plan, or it, is it, are the urban growth areas expanding? Um, they're relatively static, right? It's very, very unlikely that the urban growth area would contract 
there's some potential that it expands, but urban growth areas are very difficult to expand because of the Growth Management Act itself and some of the requirements. So while it can change, it's more likely to go out than in, and it's not that likely to go out. One last question, because I, I don't want this video to get too long, this episode mm-hmm. to get too long. So at it, pretty soon I'm going to say, let's take a break. But before we do that, and and when we take a break, then we'll come back and talk about the, the rest of the, the bill that's important or the law that's important. But before we do that, um, you, you've talked about this can only happen within the urban growth area. Does that mean that every single property within the urban growth area is going to experience this allowable increase in density based on these two laws? Under the middle housing law, cities have an option, right? They either have to allow middle housing on all of the residential areas, or they have an alternative path where 75% of the city has to have that middle housing up zone increase, and they cannot apply that zoning increase to 25% of the city if certain constraints apply. The constraints are things like lack of water supply, lack of sewer supply, transportation infrastructure, things like that that make increase in housing supply unfeasible for the city. If they do that, then they can limit the zoning increase to 75% of the city, but they have to document that it cannot exist or won't work within 25% of the city for specified reasons within the law. Okay. So is is it true then that there could be some lots that are on septic versus public mm-hmm. sewer mm-hmm. or on a well versus public water that would still experience the potential in growth, uh, the potential in increased capacity, or is everything that's on septic it's and well going to be reduced? More, we say the same? more the case. It's very, very unlikely that if you're on a private well and you're on septic, that you will get those zoning increases. It's more likely that if you don't have a sewer and you don't have water supply, other than a well on site, that you'll have the the, the zoning increase. Okay. Question I get a lot is, what about parking? Mm-hmm. What if what if somebody falls under the area where they could go up to potentially six units. Mm-hmm. There's no room for parking, mm-hmm. six units worth of vehicles. Is that taken into account? It is taken into account. There are a number of different parking provisions in the bill. Um, I can't say I know them offhand. It also allows cities to limit some of the zoning increases if they do a parking study, and the parking study shows that there will, in fact, be congestion or public safety problems. The one area where there cannot be parking limitations imposed by the cities is in the areas close to mass transit. Under the idea that you're in this kind of transit area, the six-unit zoning increase is going to take effect. That's where people likely will not need to have cars as much because they're close to transit. One more time, back to the the wells and the sewer. I have something mm-hmm. on my mind I wanted to ask you one more question. Were you talking about both laws or was are you spoke at focusing on middle housing only when you talk about those exceptions for wells and septic? What what does it apply everything um, you said, does that apply to ADUs as well or not? It I was talking more about middle housing. I think some of the same constraints could apply to the ADU bill, but I was talking about middle housing that you're not gonna be able to get six plexes in cities for example, on a private well or on a septic system, because that's a provision in the law that cities don't have to allow that zoning increase if you have septic systems. So if you have a lot that's on a septic system and it's already got a duplex on it, Mm -hmm. could you potentially put one more unit on it as an ADU then under the ADU bill? I'm not sure about that. Okay. I couldn't say. Yeah, I couldn't say. Okay. You got a lot of legal zingers for me today, Amy. A lot of what? Zingers for me today. 
I'm just telling you what people ask yeah, me in class. I know. And when I teach classes, I always start out by saying, there's a lot of technical information in these laws, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm and i not the technical guy, but Bill Clark knows all the answers. So here yeah. you are, the answers. I mean, I think that these questions, I think, you know, emphasize some of the issues with the law that while there are general requirements that cities have to allow, there are, in fact, provisions in the law where cities don't, in all cases, have to allow that increase for middle housing, right? And so the ones I think you need to watch out for most especially is septic availability, uh, water availability, and parking. Those are the big three. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. I, I think we've given a really good overview mm -hmm. of the two laws and which land they're going to impact. Mm -hmm. I We need to cover when people mm -hmm. need to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. And if it's not immediate, which it's not, mm -hmm. Why is this important to people today? Because mm -hmm. you think it is important to people today, right? Brokers, real estate yeah, brokers, right? It is important. Okay, so we're yeah. going to come back to that in the next episode. Is that okay. okay? Sounds good to me. So uh, thank you for being a Washington Realtors member. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you have questions about anything we've talked about, send me a question by visiting warealtor.org and following the links to the legal hotline. If I can't get the answer for you, I can get hold of Bill. Thank you again for being a Washington Realtors member. 